going to start here in verse number 1. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This evening, Lord willing, we'll be focusing on verse number six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, uh, as we come again into this sermon that you preached all those years ago, the truth and the convicting power is still ever before us. We feel it in our hearts and in our minds as we dig deeper. And yet we have before us again another challenging verse sentence in this sermon that was delivered, that happy is the one who hungers and thirsts after you. Lord, the sentence alone brings us to a place of conviction as we think about throughout the day how we've hungered and thirsted for water and food and for what we consider necessary food. Yet we've put before us that happy is the person who in this same manner desires to be satisfied in you. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. Be with us this evening. Be with those who are on vacation. Be with the prayer requests that we've lifted up before you. Lord, I pray that you even be with the event that's coming up this Saturday. Lord, our, our desire coming this Saturday is not for prizes. It's, it's not for um, wit and place to be lifted up, but it's for your name to be lifted up. It is a matter of evangelism. Lord, greater than any prize that could be given on Saturday was be that one soul was saved in the in the part of this ministry. Lord, I pray that you'll guide the Witten Place Baptist Church in the future that we have before us, Lord. Give us peace. Unify us. May we not be shaking or shook by changes that we're experiencing. New avenues that are opening up, uncertainties, feelings that may cause us to Maybe have feelings of worry. Lord, may we rest in you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Over the last several weeks, we've been covering here the Beatitudes. 
what is often said by commentators, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've reached the fourth beatitude in this sermon that the Lord was delivering unto the disciples, spoken in the disciples' ear, but heard around the world. The fourth way to be happy, the fourth portion of this sermon. As he already, as we already covered, was blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy is the person who has come to the realization that everything that they would ever need is in Christ. Happy is the person who has arrived at the place where they have completely emptied themselves and turned over and looked to Christ. Even more, he said, happy is the person who mourns. Blessed are they that mourn. This is even more to say that when a person realizes that they are spiritually bankrupt and everything they have and desire is Christ, happy is the person who mourns over sin that interrupts that relationship with Christ. And even what we've seen this past Sunday morning is blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. This is to say uh, happy is the person who even when they are wronged, they they don't even retaliate. You see, the third beatitude is another step of confidence in God. When we're wronged, we don't retaliate. When we're wronged, we, we bank in God that he is the one who's going to set the final record straight. The meek are those who are not weak, but meek in the fact that meek people bank in the fact that in the end of all, it's, it's not about ability. It's about the authority. God is the only one with the final authority to set the record straight. On our behalf. And now we see this evening. Happy is. Happy are they who. Hunger and thirst. After righteousness. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. After righteousness. Now we must. Understand that. If you were really to summarize. All of the beatitudes. It really. Comes down to this. That man needs to be made righteous. Man lacks righteousness. If you was to summarize the entire word of God, you could really summarize it in the same sentence. Man needs to be made righteous. Fallen man is in desperate need of being made righteous for God before God. Now we live in a world that likes to hide away from this. They, they like to, so to say, deny the cross. They like to deny Christ, yet they stand upon their righteousness. They justify themselves, seek to justify themselves that they are spiritual beings. Oh, I'm spiritual. What well, do you believe in Jesus? Well, I'm spiritual. Uh, I have my own spiritual understanding. The truth is they have no understanding at all. Uh, Satan was a spiritual being. Angels are spiritual 
beings. We don't need to be spiritual. We need to be made righteous. So he says, blessed are they that which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our, our text will later point out, and we understand this even today, that society does not struggle with self-righteous people. We are surrounded by people who are self-righteous. But as the Lord continues to deliver this sermon, you could fast forward to the verse number 20. He said, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. The Lord declares that happy is the person who hungers and thirsts after his righteousness, but he follows up after this statement with the same. But it's not the same hungering and thirsting you see of the legalistic people of the day. It's not the same thing you see of the self-proclaimed, self-righteous religious group in the world. Now, what the Lord gives to us here when he says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst and, uh, after righteousness it's really, it's both the good news and the bad news of the gospel. It is the good news that, or is the bad news, so to say, that this verse in conjunction with verse number 20 brings us to the reality that what we need to be made righteous, we do not have. We cannot do acts, we cannot keep laws, we cannot do anything that the Old Testament gives us to be made righteous. But the good news of this verse is that what God requires for us to be made righteous, he also provides. So we see, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is not being found righteous before man, but as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, while on the initial approach, we see this clearly, that sinful man needs to be made righteous. And through this understanding that this is our need to be made righteous, we understand through this doctrine of imputation, what Christ has done on Calvary's hill, when we place our faith in him, his righteousness is imputed upon us and our sins is put upon him. But there is another layer to this. There is another uh, gathering of understanding from this. He says, blessed are they. Now, when you read the word of God, Always pay attention to tense. Tenses matter. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, if this was to just initially address salvation, we can understand that many of us, if we raised our hands, we would say, well, I was saved, you know, 15 years ago. I was saved 10 years ago. I was saved last year. Our salvation is in the past tense. But 
He says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which do. The Lord is approaching this in the present tense. This is not to say that the hunger and thirst for righteousness, though it is at salvation, it does not end at salvation. The hungering and thirsting after righteousness is something that continually happens in our lives, should continue to happen in our lives as we serve the Lord. He comes here and says, blessed are those, blessed are they who hunger. This word comes from the word penal. It, it doesn't mean just a light desire, like you're driving on the way home after church and your spouse asks you if you're hungry and you say, well, I guess I could eat. That's not this. Panal means this is no light desire. It is the emphasis to say that you are famished, that you have an eager desire to eat. Now, if you was to reference this word, in the New Testament, you would find this same word was used in Luke chapter 16 when they explain Lazarus's condition. He penaled, he hungered as he sat outside of the rich man's gate and ate crumbs. That same agonizing feeling that Lazarus felt, this deep desire for hunger that he had. He had this desire, and yet the understanding is that Lazarus had this desire, yet he could not satisfy this desire. If you was to look at this in the Greek in the Old Testament, you would find this used in the story of Joseph, the famine that would hit Egypt. When it gives the account of Jacob's family in the Old Testament, when they were hungry, this famine that had struck all of the land, the people, this hunger, this word is panal. Understand this desire that the Lord is trying to drive home. Happy are those who hunger the same way Lazarus hungered for food, the same way all of Egypt mourned for food. Remember the story there. The people in Egypt, they was willing to give up their land. They was willing to give up their cattle. They was willing to give up their houses. They was willing to even sell themselves into slavery just to have this hunger satisfied. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after Righteousness. The Lord here has taken the physical and bridged it to the spiritual understanding. Now we understand hunger in the physical. It's natural to us. It is in our nature to be hungry. Many of us have been around newborn babies what happens not much long after they're out of the womb? The first thing they do is start crying. Because why? They want some food. They, they, they want to be 
fed. They are given a physical appetite. Now, this physical appetite from birth, it's, though it starts at birth, this physical appetite will continue on until the Lord finally takes them home. So we have this physical that the Lord is tying into the spiritual. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is to say that when a, when, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they, want, that they may grow thereby. At this new birth that we experience, when the Lord saves us, it sets us on a course of a continual desire to be fed by the one who birthed us. It is a continual desire to taste the sweet things of the Lord. Now in the same breath, if the child is born and no one tends to the child, what happens? The child will not grow. And eventually the child will die. But here the Lord is bringing it back to us again. Those that which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Lord says, when, he, when, when I save you, you, you have a new appetite that cannot be satisfied by the world. A new hungering, a new thirsting, a hungering for the Lord, a hungering for his word, a hungering for fellowship, a hungering, a hungering to worship him, a hungering to have a, a continual walk with him. But the Lord does not bless being hungry, though. Recognize what he says. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Recognize inside of us there is a desire to be satisfied. We see it in society. Watch the news. It is devastating to find the depravity and the depths in which humanity has gone seeking to find satisfaction in their soul. Drugs, alcohol, all of these different allegiances that they've aligned themselves with and still have not found peace. So the Lord says that if you want to be satisfied, blessed is the blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. If you want to be happy, if you want to have a blessed life, he said you can be satisfied, but you got to be hungry for the right stuff. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's how we find ourselves blessed. This is how we find ourselves happy. I am saddened when believers proclaim that they are humbug about their spiritual life. It is your fault. It is sad when people are humbug about their situation, just miserable, as if the Lord hasn't made it clear to us about how we live a joyful Christian life. We have enough intelligence that when we go down to the gas station, we wouldn't dare put a diesel fuel knob in our car. It's fuel, right? Yeah, it's fuel, but it's not the kind of gas our car takes. If we put it in there, though it is fuel, it will not run long. We don't stop at the gas pump and pull up to the kerosene knob and start pumping kerosene in our car. Well, it's fuel. Yeah, it's fuel, but your vehicle will not run long. And so it is for the spiritual man. If you turn to the left 
or to the right for satisfaction, you will end up spiritually broke down. You will find yourself hindered, unable to move forward. Jesus says, happy is the person who has the aptitude, the understanding that in order for you to continue to grow in serving me and grow in your spiritual life, you continue to return to me. The understand that we understand that our only nourishment, the only thing that can satisfy us is filling up on the Lord. I just recently started this thing called intermittent fasting. The Wilkies uh, talked me into it. It's terrible. Don't do it. You know what I found out about intermittent fasting? I know what you're thinking. Pastor, we can't tell. I said I started it. I didn't say I was doing good at it, all right? But I started it. And I'm not supposed to eat till noon. By the way, I ate before noon every day this week. I'm not supposed to eat until noon. But you know what I found out? As the morning goes on, my head starts to physically hurt. As the morning goes on more, I start to feel lethargic. The closer I get to noon, I care about nothing except getting to noon. That's all I care about is eating. I don't want to look at Facebook. I don't want to watch TV. I don't care. I feel weak. All I want to do is eat. If noon doesn't come, I'll surely die. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you had that kind of feeling after righteousness. When is the last time you felt in your heart, Lord, speak to me lest I die? When is the last time you set aside, say, I don't care about social media, I don't care about TV, I don't care about anything. Lord, I desperately need you to speak to me. When is the last time we was like Job and we said in chapter 23 and verse 13, he said, I have esteemed the words over, of your mouth over necessary bread. When is the last time we felt like Daniel that we so had a desire from God to give us an understanding of what he has for us in our lives that we was willing to set aside all the lotions, all the foods, all the wives. Lord, I put it all aside. All I want for you is to speak to me. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hannah was so caught up in Luke chapter 2 with the desire to hear from the Lord that she fasted and prayed daily, longing to see the arrival of our Redeemer. When you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we find ourselves in a place where all we care about is being fed from the Lord. We find ourselves in a place that we don't look to the left or to the right because even if something came our way, we have the understanding that it would not satisfy us. The spiritual person, the spiritual being, understands the only thing that will bring eternal joy is to walk with the Lord. In the same manner, when we physically fast, we are 
physically, mentally disconnected as we're desiring. And even more, when we spiritually fast, we are disconnected from our walk with him, removed from communion with him. Though we may internally long for him, we are altogether spiritually unprofitable because our spiritual lives have become lethargic. Our spiritual lives have been prohibited from growth. In the same way the little child needs food to grow, the spiritual man, the spiritual person inside of us needs communion with the Lord. This is what he's saying, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after my righteousness. Look at this promise, though. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. (laughs) Oh, the Lord. For they shall be fed. First, notice, happy are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, in first, in order to hunger and thirst after righteousness, it is a statement to say that you want something. It's a statement to say that you desire to have something that you currently do not have. That's what causes us to go to the fridge. This is what causes us to go to the, to the fountain because We need something that we don't have, yet we know where to go to get it. But even more, to say this, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, it is to say, what I need, I do not possess. Righteousness. This has been the problem throughout the entire Old Testament, New Testament, throughout all of humanity. Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness is just filthy rags. He goes on to say in Romans, Paul says in Romans that that for all have sinned, it comes short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6, Isaiah was just trying to clear up with all the people in Israel just exactly where their righteousness was. And so he said in chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, from the sole of the foot to the crown of our head, we are altogether wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores. There is no righteousness in us. What does that mean? It means that we cannot look into ourselves for self-satisfaction. It is the confession that we must look to another to give us what we desire. And we understand that altogether our righteousness is found in him. The psalmist understood this, and I think it's the 42nd Psalm. He said, as the heart panteth after uh, the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. There is a hungering and thirsting for God and salvation. But Jesus says, there is a hungering and thirsting for me and a continuation after your salvation. Matter of fact, it is even a further testament that if you have no hungering and thirsting after the things of the Lord, that you need to back up to the first confession. This is why Paul probably challenged so many people to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because these things should balance on the scale. That we hungered and thirsted after his righteousness when he saved us, and we hungered and thirsted 
on the continuation side of that after salvation. That it was a continued desire to walk with him. Now we said that one who hungers and thirsts for something first confesses that they do not have it. But secondly, we also notice that they are not satisfied in it. Now, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is a paradoxical statement. We read it. It does not make sense to us. Yet, nevertheless, it is true that those who have been saved, those who have come into this Union with Christ, those who have seen their sins nailed to the cross of Calvary, who've experienced this great joy and what it means to be saved, those who have experienced the, the goodness of the Lord. It is contrary to our minds to think that this great experience has happened in us, and yet, the Lord is saying there's so much more. We say, how much more can there be? Look at what Christ has already done for me. But he says, you can still be hungry. He says, you can still thirst. And if we're truthful with ourselves, it was great to taste the sweet things of the Lord the day he saved us. And it is even sweeter day by day to collect the droplets of water and to be fed from the pantry of our Lord day by day. And we ought to have a greater up appetite from the Lord day by day, day by day. Daily, the Lord gives this promise. The one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they shall be Filled. This is, this is a daily promise. This is a, a moment-by-moment moment commitment from the Lord. If you hunger and thirst for me, you will be filled. You shall be filled. There is no questions to this. There is no uh, curiosity left to us. Is there another way outside of this where I can hunger and thirst and not be filled? He said, you shall be filled. Field. I think this is the amazement of Philippians. When you read through Philippians, after Paul has already had this amazing journey with the Lord, after all of these great experiences, you know, after being called up into the third heaven, you arrive, I think it's in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, all of this, that I may know him that I may know him. All of this is that I may know him even more in the, the power of his resurrection. He still was not satisfied after all that God had done in his life, after casting out demons, after healing people, after seeing the third heaven, after being given all these words, he still wanted more from the Lord. And yet we're satisfied at salvation. You see how it's contradictory. You see how it's contradictory to us all that we do not seek him holy. Not only do we seek him holy, 
he says, but we are to really seek him first. Is that not what he says? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We seek him wholly, but we seek him first. And when we seek him wholly and when we seek him first, he says, for they shall be filled. Well, how often, Pastor? How often is the Lord going to fill me? He's going to fill you continually. How long am I going to be filled unceasingly? Oh, how long? Perpetually. It is to say that as you serve the Lord and you find yourself and you find yourself in the midst of a wilderness and you cry out to the Lord and you hunger and you thirst for his righteousness, you could go to the well in the midst of the desert and draw from it and find water. It is to say that you can arrive at the pantry, his food pantry, no matter how far away it is, no, how, no matter how unlikely it may seem to you, yet you can arrive at God's pantry day after day, moment after moment. I mean, think about this. What a illustration that the Lord has given us that he would use food and water. That which we consume not only daily, but multiple times a day. His promise is that if you have that same feeling for me, think about this tomorrow. Every time you go to get a drink of water, every time you go to drink a fluid, every time you go to put a snack in your mouth, every time you go to eat a meal, every time you go to do that, think, do I hunger for the Lord like I wanted this? Is this comparative? To how I desire the Lord, that is exactly what the Lord is trying to drive home to us illustratively. We should hunger and thirst in this same manner. And his promise is no matter how many times you return to the well, no matter how many times you return to the food pantry, you will be filled. I will take care of you. You will be satisfied. I leave you here with this statement and this reality. What the Lord is saying to us here. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What the Lord says here in summary, you are just as spiritual as you want to be. Your prayer life is exactly what you want your prayer life to be. Your understanding and studying and knowledge and depths of understanding in God's word is exactly what you want it to be. Because if you wanted it to be more, you could hunger and thirst after the Lord and he would fill you. It's just the reality where it's a hard reality. It's a hard blow for us at times. But he says, if you look to me, not to the world, look to me for your satisfaction, I'm going to satisfy you. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, oh, your word is so rich, challenging, convicting. Lord, I pray that you'll 
be with us, Lord. We thank you for those who fought the weariness of their flesh to get here in your house this evening. Others stood back, stayed home. Some providentially hindered some. Some come to the weariness of their flesh. Lord, strengthen them. Lord, but I pray that you reward us for being here this evening in your word. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us tomorrow. May we be reminded what, what a message not only delivered to their time, but what a message delivered even to our day. It counters the society that we live in. Lord, I pray that we'll see, leaving here this evening, that you are our all in all, that you are what satisfies us. Help us to see that all the satisfaction we need, all the peace that we could ever want and desire is in you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.